Let's take our Bibles and turn to the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. I'll be speaking of some of the things that are contained in the book of Revelation. Suffice it to say that a fitting theme is the coming of the Lord Jesus in glory. And Revelation 22 picks up on this theme, which is already set forth in chapter 1 of Revelation, and the asseverations, the official declarations of Jesus that he is coming quickly. And then you have our our prayer uh, at the end of the chapter, which will be our text, even so, come Lord Jesus. And so the Bible at this point and everywhere is really interested, keenly interested in the coming of the Lord Jesus, as are we. With that in mind, let's read with the sermon, Revelation 22, the Word of God. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree, the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be, un be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right of the tree of life, may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. 
and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thus far we read the last chapter of the inspired book of God, the Bible. May God bless it to our reading, to our hearts, and reflective living this year. I want to consider the last two verses of this chapter, Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There are many sermons that might be preached on just these two last two verses. I want to focus on the last part of the first verse. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That is the Apostle John's response to Jesus saying, Surely I am coming quickly. This prayer is the last in the book of Revelation and in the Bible. This prayer is an amazing prayer of the Apostle John, who was given visions on the Isle of Patmos as he suffered for the testimony of Jesus. He's given visions of the testimony of Jesus, of the truth of his coming throughout history since he has gone into glory and is at the right hand of God. His prayer is an example to all believers of what we should be praying about as we pray. It is, in fact, an example of what is the principal thing or one of the principal things we ought to be praying also with regard to this new year and that the Lord Jesus would come quickly into this year and into our lives. The prayer is grounded in the testimony of the one who is the faithful and true witness. He who says, surely I am coming quickly. So we have a ground here of praying that he might come quickly. And the ground is Jesus says he's going to come quickly. And so we are in the will of God to pray that he come quickly. This, I say, is amazing and wonderful light for us as we turn the corner of one year and enter into another. We begin with prayer on our lips. We begin that Jesus Christ would be known as coming in all of the events that we can be sure will happen of a chaotic world and of a world that has no grounding and no Savior and that despises him. Jesus will be coming in 2023. We're not saying that it will be the end of time necessarily. There are certain signs that we know from the Bible that 
presage his coming and that precede his coming, so we know that his coming is not absolutely imminent. However, as he says here, he is coming quickly into this world. And so with regard to a calendar, we're not so concerned, but with regard to the haste and the urgency with which Jesus is coming, we are eminently concerned. And we are to be as we pray for his coming and as our children pray for his coming and as the young people who might want to get married sometime this year who nevertheless have as their priority that Jesus would come and even if he comes the day before the wedding, so be it. It is fitting as we close this year and fitting also as we would continue to consider sound doctrine and application of doctrine in our catechism preaching and begin a series of sermons on prayer. So I've chosen this text fitting for a new year, fitting for a life of prayer, fitting for us as God's people who want nothing else than to be informed by the truth as it is in Jesus and then to live by it also with regard to the coming of our Savior. Want to consider the prayer, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Consider what that means. Secondly, the ground or reason for that. And then finally, the blessing that is appended here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Wonderful apostolic benediction at the very end of the Bible. We are those who believe in the coming of Jesus. We believe that with all our hearts because he is a coming Savior. He is one who comes into this time, even though in eternity he was not in time. He is before all things, and he is this Word of God who was with God and who is God eternally and knows no movement or change. Nevertheless, it has pleased God that God come into this world that he makes. In the fullness of his own counsel, he has decreed that there's going to be a word I'm going to speak into this world and a son word that I will send into this world And the sending is his coming into this world. The speaking of the word is God's coming into this world, meaning he will be present in this world. He's present in the things that he's made. All things declare his glory. All things bright and beautiful, big and small. The suns in the heavens and the stars and the constellations but all things below as well. It all declares the Lord who is present, but also that he's coming into this world, for he made the world not to be the end of everything, but really the stage for greater things than that he would make with his hands, greater things, even the things of grace and the things of a cross and the things of an empty tomb, the things of covenant, God makes to be the God who shows himself to be this great God with a people 
undeserving, but that he comes, I say, into this world. <coughs> History long, in fact, God comes into this world. Revelation is a book of the history of the New Testament age ever since Jesus came the first time. The Old Testament is an inspired record of God coming into this world in the Old Testament before he came in the flesh. Already in the garden, God would not be denied showing his grace and he comes to the fallen Adam and Eve and he comes with his word of reconciliation. And though they're hiding and they're blaming one another, he comes and his coming is a coming of grace. So he will, he will push into their lives, as it were, with this irresistible presence of his, this word whereby he will curse the devil and devils, but bless a people of his good pleasure, Adam and Eve, and the true sons and daughters of God. And ever since then, it's about God's coming into the world. Even though the world goes on its merry way, and it eats and drinks and is merry without God and not concerned with God not only, but not wanting to do with him, God comes into it. God comes with his judgments. God comes in a flood. God comes with his promises. God comes in his prophets. God comes in his reigning in Israel and forming a people for himself. God comes and advances in revelation as he speaks truth and powerfully takes over lives so that people can be his and are his by his grace and power. God coming into the world. God advancing and progressing in how he reveals himself so that in the fullness of time, after this long silence of the prophets, God comes and he's God with us in Jesus. And this really is as it's been since the beginning. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That beginning in creation is now replicated, as it were, in this beginning of the one who tabernacles with us. God comes in Jesus to this earth, saying, Here I am. Behold me, and to behold me is to behold the Father. And he comes, and he comes, and he shows himself to be very God, but, but miraculously also to be very man, without any compromise of his divinity, without any sin, in order to save people, to satisfy his justice, he takes the place of the man who sinned, and takes their sin upon him, and he goes to the cross, this, this cursed tree already prophesied in the Old Testament as the place of, well, never, never land. That is, the place of never blessing, never blessing, never blessing, blessing this place between heaven and earth, the cross, the place of curse. He takes it. He comes to that demise that place of the forsakenness of God. Does Jesus, he comes, but he will not be held either by curse or by death or by guilt and shame. He rises, does Jesus. See, it's that perfect. His coming is that perfect. Without a glitch, he comes, the perfect Savior, the God with us, the God of our our substitution and of his grace and 
the wonderful God of life and rising from the dead. That's our God. More. He comes with the Holy Spirit. After he rises from the dead, after 40 days visiting his people, confirming them in the things of the kingdom of God, Jesus comes in his spirit poured out so that there's this presence of God, this coming of God into this New Testament age in a remarkably clearer and more intimate way. God with us in Jesus, exalted Now, so that we are his temple, we don't have to go there to worship God. Now, so that we know God and his own fellowship and trinity as never before. That is, to that degree that the Old Testament saints had with this trickle of spirit. There's very little of the water of life compared to the gushing riches of Jesus poured out in his spirit from heaven through Calvary's blessedness. He comes now history long. That's what Revelation's all about. He comes history long. More on that presently. But what I want to say in this point is that He comes quickly, history long. As he says, I am coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly, Revelation 22, 7. And Revelation 22, 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. And verse 20, surely I'm coming quickly. Now, what does this mean? Many have interpreted this to mean that he's coming quickly, so that even before that generation to which John wrote, 1890 or something, 2,000 years ago, that generation would fall away and die, and then Jesus would have come because he's coming quickly. As if it was imminent, as if really all of the things of Revelation have taken place already. Those are called the hyperpreterists, who think that everything in the Bible just about has already come to pass. Jesus has already come. So Revelation 22, which speaks of the new heavens and the new earth, that's already come. And the reason you can't see it is because you can't see it. Not because it's not real. They say, if you only had faith, we'd understand that the lion is lying down with the lamb and and there is sinlessness and all of this stuff and it's all a bunch of hokey. It's all wrong. Because it misinterprets a thousand things in the Bible. One of them is the word quickly. Quickly here is to be understood as a, an eschatological imminence, as one has called it. A prophetical eschatological imminence, meaning a way that God has of speaking of something that's surely to happen and surely to come, and there's no more preconditions that have to be met in God's own timetable before he comes. In the Old Testament, couldn't be the final day of the Lord because Jesus had yet to come. When Jesus came, couldn't be that he'd come again until he poured out the Spirit. And there was this Pentecost and the beginning of the harvest of, of Christ. 
And now, beloved, according to the scriptures, there's nothing left in the timetable of God himself between his first coming and now the spirit poured out and the inscripturation of the word, we could add that to it, and his final coming. There are signs to be sure that Jesus predicted would first be a sign that he's coming, but there's no great events on God's own timetable that will interfere and make impossible Jesus coming again. And so it's quickly. Not as if he would come at any day. There are signs, after all, and God said there's going to first be this apostasy of the church and this rising event to Christ and so on, and that's happening, but not quite yet. But nevertheless, it's quickly. Urgently he comes, suddenly we could say, without any warning, to take all unawares who are unbelieving, to take the five virgins who have not trimmed their lamps, who have not the Holy Spirit, who are the false church by surprise. And woe unto them who look like a bride, but act like a hussy. And they are fakes. So God is saying something here that he says with all regard to all eschatological or end-time prophecy. Be ready. Be ready. Put it this way. It's God's point of view here, quickly. What's God's point of view? Second Peter 3, 8, a thousand years are as a day. Children, if it's 2,000 years ago that John spoke this prophecy, not even that, how many days is that according to God's calendar? If a thousand years equals a day, 2,000 years, not even two days since God spoke this. It's that short a time. We think it's a long time. The whole world says, ah, where's the promise of his coming? Because it doesn't fit our calendar. And you Christians, you prophesied that he was coming and so on. But where is he? We're waiting and we're getting away. We're getting off scot-free. God-free, they'd say. And all of our doing which you condemn. But God is coming quickly in Jesus. And at the end of time he will come and that will be the end. And just as the evolutionists don't know the, uh, the beginning, they don't know the end. And the theistic evolutionists are hopefully, hopeful, hopelessly in a conundrum because they, re, they would rewrite Genesis 1, but they have to rewrite Genesis or Revelation and Revelation 22. He's coming, and we pray for it. We pray for it. <clears throat> and this is what John is doing here in, in our text on, in which we're focusing on this prayer Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. That's the truth. And John says, amen. I, I agree. That's what amen means. Not just the end, everybody. And children, amen means it's, it's so. When I say amen, it is so. We, I believe this. And I'm confirmed in this. 
Well, when John says it, he's confirmed in the truth that Jesus has just spoken. Surely I'm coming quickly. And so now he prays, even so, come Lord Jesus. And that's all he prays. I think there's something significant in the, in the brevity here of his prayer. It's a short doesn't mean there may not be any long prayer and congregational prayer or when times when you pour out your heart it's more than five, six words. But here's a real prayer focusing on what needs to be focused on. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And note, he's talking to Jesus. As we'll learn in the Exposition of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father, the triune God, and elsewhere in his name. But here, John has gotten to see Jesus. He's had visions of Jesus. And so there's this privileged position. He can pray right to Jesus, like Stephen, who saw him at the, standing at the right hand of God when he was martyred. And so we would say maybe... Oh, God, our Father, send your Son, cause your Son to come. But we could also pray, because this prayer is here, the same as John. Come, Lord Jesus. We do. It's a priority. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, our Father, send your Son. May he come. May, May he be present. And this is a priority as a, a priority of our life. And this is the priority of prayer. With all the other things we're going to be taught about prayer, and namely the hallowing of the name of God, the coming of the kingdom, the forgiveness of sins and daily bread and, 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 and so on. There's something here that's central and so important so that we know it's all about God revealed in Jesus and God coming in Jesus. This is our blessing. This is the fount of every blessing. We want to think on him. We want him to be near. So before, in the midst of our praying, behind our praying, come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And there's reasons, reasons for this. And the first is that it's biblical. John is agreeing with Jesus, the faithful and true witness who testified to these things that are written above in Revelation 22 and in the whole book and in the whole Bible. John's agreeing. He's saying, Amen. And even so, just as you said, come Lord Jesus. Understand that, children? Sometimes our prayers are not answered or we don't think they're being answered because we've asked amiss. We haven't asked with the Bible in light, uh, as our light. So we've asked for a new car and we want it now. And of course, there's no scripture and verse for that. But there's other scriptures we've been forgetting, like seek first the kingdom of God, and in our lives we haven't been. So here we are asking for a new car, and, and God isn't getting it to us, and 
the price of used cars is, is over the top, and so we can't afford this, and, and we're wondering why isn't God answering. But sometimes we need to wonder more wonderfully, beloved, more in a sanctified way, wonder if we're praying truly and living according to the truth that Jesus is coming quickly and that we want that. Do we want that? Is that what we want this year? That Jesus would come quickly. That he would come as soon as possible. As soon as the plan of God is realized and and as soon, not as my life is a full life and I've lived all that I want and we have all these plans and we're going to accomplish this and my long-term goal is this and I'm going to get a million dollars by the time I'm 40 and all this stuff. But that Jesus come quickly, is that our motivation? It's biblical. He's coming and he's coming quickly. He's coming. That's the, the theme of Revelation. It's not, we should say, the theme of the Old Testament. The theme of the Old Testament is his coming, but not quickly because he still had to come the first time. But now it's quickly because he's come the first time in his humiliation. He's died for our sins. He's risen again, and there's the Spirit poured out, and there's nothing left on the timetable of, of God. But now he is coming quickly. And now you see the Son of Man, as Revelation says in chapter 5, I believe, has been given to open the seals of the counsel of God, the sealed book of the counsel of God. There's this drama in heaven. No one's found to open the the seals of the book of the counsel of God until the Lamb is found, who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who comes with a ba, but who comes with a roar. This one, Jesus. That's the truth. He's coming quickly. He's the king of his coming. He comes as the sovereign. So there's four horses, but note the white one, the horse of the gospel. And he rides forth conquering and to conquer. He saves his own. His kingdom is coming. Oh, indeed. It's a truth of the Bible and of the New Testament and of the book of Revelation, which majors on that coming of the Lord, that quick coming of the Lord. He comes, and we pray for his coming quickly because it's true and it's biblical. We don't want to be as those, beloved, who take away from the words of the prophecy. There's a great warning here. You take away from the words of the prophecy or you add to them and you warp the truth of God. Maybe you major simply on setting a date for when he's going to come. That's what many cults and sects do. It's all wrong. No date setting. But if you take away or add to the word of God in any way, in any part of your life, that's going to hinder your prayer. It's going to hinder your your powerful life for Jesus. Don't do that. Pray just as he has said. And first of all, so that your first priority is, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And this only means, of course, that you want his coming to come. 
You only pray for something you desire. Do you desire Jesus? I ask every one of you here, do you desire Jesus? Just Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the Savior and the Lord, the exalted Savior. Do you desire forgiveness in him, life in him, to serve him? That's the question to be asked at this time of year. What's our resolve? We desire him more, right? Pray for him more. Pray that he would come. We would see this in our lives. We would behold this in the signs of the times. And we ourselves would be instrumental in his coming because that's what prayer is for. It's a means that God says he will use to come. See, God is overall, but he uses us. In answer to prayers, Jesus comes. As we're praying that he comes as well, we say, we need to preach Jesus. That's what we're going to do in 2023. I don't know about you, but I'll be preaching and hearing. And may this be the priorities of our families into this wonderful family of God at Sovereign Grace Church. May we preach and may we hear and may we be full of this word and full of faith that's worked by the hearing and augmented and confirmed by the participation in the sacraments. According to the word of God and according to the word of God where we know that he uses means whereby he comes. And then this... We pray, and the reason we pray that he would come quickly is because there's great conflict. And if Revelation is about the coming of the Lord, it's also about the conflict of the Lord. The conflict that he has with Babylon and the great whore, the union of the religious entity, the false church, the whore, and the political entity, Babylon, so that they become this political, religious, antichrist sort of thing. This is depicted in the pages of Revelation. In the coming quickly of Jesus is the coming of conflict. And beloved people of God, we are in the midst of the throes of the greatest conflict of the ages. The end of times conflict. When the devil wants us and wants our children and wants us to die one temptation after another, one internet site at a time. He wants us to die on the vine, if that's possible. In connection with the church and religion, he wants those people who call themselves people of God to wither and to be no more and to prove that after all, God's promises are fake and his coming is a shimura. Just nothing. And religion is just a drug, especially the religion of Jesus. Conflict. Seven churches are written, too, in the book of Revelation. Jesus testifies to these things. He testifies that he's the angel who walks among the candlesticks. He's the light of the churches. He warns churches. He warns all of us 
Hold fast. Hear. Love the Lord and his appearing. He encourages us. I will give my reward to those who hold fast. Who are not compromisers. Who are not on the fence. Who hold the truth. Nothing but the truth shall help them God. As witnesses of the witness. Bearers of the truth. Whose prayers have been answered. With blessing. I'll leave. All the other things that might be said. But with blessing. Don't you love. The benediction of. Revelation 22, 21. I'm going to pronounce that at the end of this service. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace is what we need in the conflict to understand the wonderful truth as it is in Jesus and to love Jesus, to desire Jesus. That's why John pronounces a benediction upon his congregants who might one day see the book that was inspired on the Isle of Patmos like us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Free favor of God, beauty of God, power of God. That's what grace is. Free favor to sinners, power of God to the powerless and beauty of God to those who need to be lovelied up. And the reason why Jesus Christ himself will benedict us, he will bless us with grace, because we're his bride. And if you look up to verse 17, you find the spirit and the bride together saying, come. And let every individual believer who hears say, come. And I believe they're calling to Jesus to come, just like John is at the end of this, the Bible here. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You see, he's part of a mighty throng. And he's part of the Trinity itself, and the Spirit of Christ with the bride who has the spirit of Christ and who is beautiful in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, they're all saying, come, Lord Jesus. They're all interested in this one great event, in this final glorious, wonderful effulgence of the glory of God. Behold, he comes with clouds and thousands and thousands of angels in the celebration will be the celebration that begins, the celebration of eternity, the paradise regained and exalted, and the people of God knowing no more curse, but only blessing. So much more have we than the Old Testament saints. You know how the Old Testament ends, children? Young, older people, you know how the Old Testament ends? With a threat of a curse, Malachi 4. Beware, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here, the threatening is changed to a benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. It's what we need. It reminds us, does this benediction 
of the fact that we need Jesus and his grace to solve our life's problems. The, only, the world would only get this. It's not going to be the improvement of the government policies that are going to change things and make things all right. It's not going to be even getting our candidate elected. That won't be the solution to all of life's problems or even a hundredth of them. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming and while he comes for grace along the way, that's what we need. And you can be sure, beloved, that God will give you grace every day this year. Are you coming thinking not so? Can't be? In the past, I have had graceless days. Maybe you're thinking, don't think that way. It's not biblical. God who loves you will love you to the end. And that means not just at the end, but every day to the end. The love, the love of grace and kindness to sinners. So, beloved, we fall, we rise up, we fall. All these things, the ordinary things of life in our weakness and so on. But Christ is coming relentlessly. Pray for his coming to come quickly and pray to know his grace along the way. Amen. Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth as it is in Jesus. Help us to pray according to it and to remember that you are with us all the steps of the way. This year, Lord, we pray that you would open it up to us and us to it and all the prospects of of significant serving of you and the great, great uplifting power you're going to give us as we face life's difficulties and temptations. We pray, Father, not at all to serve this world and to serve the evil one, but only to serve you. We pray to be full of joy. We pray that you would so bless us that we let goods and kindred go and this mortal life also because we belong to Jesus, and the one who comes is our Savior. And he will say, when he comes again, enter into the joy of our Lord. Hear our prayers, Lord. By grace alone we make them. Amen.